0: Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hello, I'm your host, Greg Myers, and welcome to episode 18 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. My special guest this week is Mark Stanfield, the president of Mitigator. Mitigator is a technology provider that helps merchants, ISOs, and acquirers understand their disputes, including chargebacks and how and why they happen and how to avoid them all in one place. Mark was born and raised in North Carolina and in the South and ultimately ended up at school in Idaho and currently lives with his wife and four kids in Utah. Mitigator was started by a direct marketing merchant that needed to understand and handle their disputes in order to scale their business. Fast forward and now Mitigator helps businesses of all types across most every industry. What differentiates them is their focus on technology, consistently improving their product based on industry trends, and taking a complete view of their client's business. Mark has a passion for learning and provides some sage advice for those just starting their careers in payments. So let's get started. Hi, Mark. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Greg. really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, where you grew up, maybe you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that.
1: Sure. So uh, I was born and raised mostly in North Carolina. And in the South, my dad was military. So we moved about every three years. And I ultimately ended up at school in Idaho. And that's where I met my wife. And she is from Utah. So we now live in Utah, have four kids and just excited about, uh, you know, life and the future.
0: Great. So let's um, talk a little bit about the company Mitigator. Tell the audience what Mitigator does.
1: So Mitigator is a technology provider that helps both merchants and ISOs and acquirers be able to really understand and manage their disputes that happen, not only chargebacks, but also ways that they can avoid them and other technologies that are being introduced with prevention alert and collaboration tools from the brands, it just brings it all into one place so that there's a simple way to access the data to understand what's happening through analytics and hopefully have as easy of a workflow as possible. Some of it being automated and some of it uh, having the ability to be self-managed if that's important to the end user.
0: Great. How big is the company?
1: You know, from an employee standpoint, we're just a little over 80 people, I believe, right now. We're a little spread out throughout the country. We have a couple of offices, one in American Fork, Utah, and then one in San Diego. And then a lot of our people have worked remote for years. So we do have people scattered throughout the United States and even uh, in Canada.
0: Okay. Are there certain verticals that you focus on?
1: So when Mitigator first started, it was built by a direct marketing merchant and their need was to be able to handle their disputes so that they could scale. They were processing you know, about 100 million in revenue annually. They were starting to expand outside the US and it felt like that one of the major limiting factors for their growth was uh, chargebacks and disputes and so They built the product for themselves, and because of that, a lot of our merchants initially that started out were in similar industries. Uh, Anyone that was doing subscription or monthly billing uh, was a very easy uh, merchant for us to be able to work with. And today, it's expanded to really all verticals in and across card-not-present type of merchants. In the last little while, uh, as we've seen different impacts from the virus, a lot of merchants who are normally card present uh, have had to move to a contactless or a card not present system. And so many of the merchants that we work with today fall in food delivery and digital games and any type of... I think product or service you can think of that's that's working with cardholders uh, typically has some sort of need or issue that we can help them to simplify and resolve so they can really focus on their core business.
0: Sure. And, you know, you mentioned earlier acquiring banks and ISO. So maybe talk a little bit about that relationship and what you do for those two organizations, obviously, that are not merchant specifically. So maybe talk about that a little bit.
1: Sure. So, Mitigator has always tried to be a thought leader in risk management. And I think what a lot of merchants sometimes miss is that when they receive a merchant account from either their ISO or even the acquiring bank that's uh, sponsors behind them, that registered ISO and acquiring bank take full liability on that account. So anything the merchant processes, any sales they process, any fees or chargebacks or refunds, if for some reason that merchant can't meet that obligation, that obligation doesn't vanish. It actually rolls up to the ISO and ultimately rolls up to the acquiring bank. And so one of the reasons that we chose very early on to start to work with acquiring banks and ISOs was because there seemed to be this friction that occurs sometimes between merchants and ISOs and acquirers to where it was almost like they were on opposite teams, but in reality they're they're on the same team. And so, we have a lot of ISOs and acquirers that will resell our product today. It helps their merchants have a better experience. They can manage and reduce their disputes and chargebacks, which gives them more processing opportunities. And it also helps the acquirer and the ISO to understand we have a merchant that maybe is having a problem versus we have a bad merchant. And sometimes if you look just at initial data, like a chargeback number, you can say, oh my gosh, we've got a bad merchant. We need to you know, abandon ship. But if you look a little deeper in data that's already available, again, if you can access it a little easier, you can see where the problem is stemming from and understand that, you know, okay, this company had a Hurricane in the Philippines and that's where their call center was and it was down for three days and therefore customers called and couldn't get through and that created a spike in chargebacks as an example. So our approach is working with both groups in the same boat, trying to help them both be able to scale and to grow their relationship with each other as well as, you know, be successful long term in processing payments for their, their consumers.
0: Great. Makes sense. I found it quite interesting as a lifelong marketer, You know, looking into the data, you guys have some capabilities to tell companies maybe even which marketing program that they're running might be driving chargebacks or, you know, which price point, maybe if it's a subscription based business. I thought that was pretty interesting. So maybe talk a little bit about sort of those types of things that you guys do. Uh, I think that would be an interesting topic to discuss a little bit.
1: You bet. Yeah. We've always believed that. If you're only responding to chargebacks, that you're basically pulling band-aids on bullet holes. And there's so much information inside of the data that can really help you understand what's happening today in your business that is within the business's control to be able to affect. And so as we look at some of those data points like marketing source, product type, or different marketing strategies that someone employs. So if they're doing a pay-per-click and SEO campaign, or they're using other outside affiliate marketers, or they have television ads that are running, when they can start to see how they all look across, I guess, the industry in general, or their particular vertical, when they can see how it looks from a baseline perspective with their own data, it starts to become pretty clear what is happening and where they need to focus their attention in order to be able to solve an issue. And it's interesting that everybody measures their marketing source to a sales ratio, right? They want to know, are my advertising dollars really providing the lift that I'm looking at? Um, But when you look at the bigger picture of, well, how are those sources also generating disputes or chargebacks or alerts? How are they generating refunds? you can start to get a total health picture and that can really help you to make even better decisions on how you're spending your dollars and how your revenue is getting uh, really how the bottom line's being affected.
0: Sure. And as you know, the payment space is quite competitive. I know there are other solutions in the industry around chargeback management, but what makes you guys different? What What would you say are some of your differentiators?
1: I think the biggest one was the underlying and still initial focus on technology. Many of the providers in the space started as either merchants themselves or they were part of a call center and that environment to handle chargebacks because it was done manually, it was always done manually. And so when Mitigator first came out with The technology approach and being able to automate responses, but to have those responses actually be customized, not just boiler templates. Many people in the industry said, it can't be done. It's not possible. It's got to be reviewed by a human or else you're never going to win. And we were very quickly able to provide this service that eliminated many of the manual steps that were required to process disputes And then also start to add in additional prevention and deflection technologies so that merchants would have the opportunity to send information back to the brands before a chargeback gets placed. Or they could refund an alert that had come in to prevent a chargeback. Or they could decide, you know what, we're going to get the chargeback and we're going to fight it all based on data. And so when you think that it's technology first and then... The product that we actually provide and the solution is secondary, what that generates is a constant need for improvement and a constant need to look at how the market's changing, what can we do better, how can we implement additional tools and make them effective so that the end-to-end solution that the customer or the acquirer is, is achieving, that goal of running a profitable, stable business is being added to by their risk management strategy. And so that's probably the, the key of what we've done. And, and I guess the other side of it is that because our founders were merchants as they started, we have really tried hard to stay close to that mentality of understanding that I can stop 100% of chargebacks for any business by never having them take a credit card. But that's not the goal. The goal is how do we optimize their payments acceptance while minimizing their risk. And so that balance of taking a complete look at the business, as opposed to just one little sliver is something that we continually try to be aware of and improve and and just think through so that, again, we're on the same team as the merchant and their ISO and acquirers, as opposed to Only coming at it from one small viewpoint.
0: Right. So, where do you think the payments industry is headed in the next, say, two to three years?
1: Well, card not present payments, including contactless and and mobile payments, obviously have been the fastest growing payment method for many, many years. And with the current pandemic that the whole world is obviously experiencing, it has only shined a light on how how much room there is to grow and improve that process and that experience. And so I believe that we will see additional payment and ways that merchants are able to not only accept payments, but that cardholders want to be able to provide payment to those merchants in that form of a contactless card, not present, mobile type world and The need now to have better strategies in place for preventing both malicious fraud, but also friendly fraud or family fraud, which is the majority of what merchants, I think, run into today, that growing need is always going to be there. And so I believe what we're going to see is a continued shift towards technology, a continued shift towards data metrics and decision based on that data. And all facets of the business will be included in that picture so that, again, you're not looking at it just from one small perspective. You're looking at it in totality and being able to really understand how to make different moves in your business to to become more successful.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, the pandemic and the coronavirus. So maybe touch on what Mitigator's doing to help support your employees and customers during the challenging times we're in.
1: Absolutely. So we have always been a remote company, even though we had two main offices, again, San Diego and American Fork. But about two and a half years ago, I believe it was, we went one step further even to being more remote. And so even our employees that live in around that area, they typically don't come into the office every day, right? We'll have meetings that they'll be able to come in for, or summits that they're able to join in person, but largely they're working from home and remotely on a day-to-day basis. So that was, of course, a great benefit when uh, everything occurred. And Different companies needed to figure out a way to work from home. That wasn't really an issue for us because we have been doing it for quite a while already. For a lot of our merchants, that did become a challenge. And so they were trying to figure out, you know, how do we operate in this remote environment? And the ISOs and acquiring banks were doing the exact same thing. And so when you think about the security and the data protection that's involved with banking in general having that set up in a remote environment, it takes some thought process. Uh, so there were early on, I think a lot of people that were obviously having issues and scrambling to try to figure out how do we maintain a semblance of business and really hopefully excel through this process while we have these restrictions that are in place. And so mitigators tried to you know, be in close contact with both our, merchants and our partners to hear what they're facing, hear what challenges they're trying to come up with, offer any solutions or advice that we've been able to figure out over five years of working remotely. And then, of course, the last two and a half being almost 100% remote. And then also just providing some communication channels back and forth so that merchants can understand how the card brands are viewing their business today and ISOs and acquirers can understand how their merchants are really affecting and uh, are having to make changes in order to be able to be effective. And so it's not that we had all the answers. We certainly don't believe that, but we try to be as collaborative as possible and passing information as accurately as possible and also in, as, in a timely manner as possible so that you can base your decisions based on, again, the, the latest most accurate information that's available in the market. I know that there was some early reports of different changes that were happening and how they were being implemented by the brands that almost were broadcast in a fear kind of mongering fashion. And we certainly want to make sure that we're taking everything in context and that people are able to get the best and most accurate information so they can make decisions for themselves and their business.
0: Sure. And I think that communication is is a pretty common theme with people that I've talked to is really reaching out and talking to your merchants and customers more than maybe you ever have before. Just to make sure, like you said, that line of collaboration and communication is always open.
1: Absolutely. yeah. I think that is the critical step today is being able to realize that we don't interact with a lot of our merchants face to face on a regular basis because of being remote and because of their being remote as well. But there's normally conferences and different uh, trips and, you know, on sites that we're doing that just we can't do right now. And so trying to be, I think, more aware of that and taking a proactive approach to reaching out to customers and and partners has has been something we're, we're striving to do.
0: Great great well, I appreciate all that information on the company, so we're gonna switch gears a little bit and talk about you so tell the audience about your journey you know to your role there as the president of mitigator how did you get there and what was your sort of uh, past experience in order to to lead you to this
1: position? Sure so I have always been fairly entrepreneurial minded and early on in my career ran several businesses that weren't payment related, that were more sales and marketing driven. A lot of sales training and education was involved in those different roles. And it was in about 2001 when a friend of mine that I had worked with in a couple of different companies had wanted to start a medical billing company. It was sort of a hot topic at that point. And so we decided to do it. And we went and did some training with a specific software that we were going to use. And as we came back and we're thinking about how to present this to different providers, one of the things we wanted to do was to have a product differentiator. And my friend knew of a person who had written a platform that would allow the self-pay portion of the medical bill to be collected, like over a few different payments. And again, in 2001, that wasn't really a product that was widely available outside of the way the banks administer it. And so this product would allow, say, a patient that had a $300 deductible with their provider's permission, they could break it up over three months and pay $100 a month in an automatic withdrawal for their banking account via ACH or on their credit card. And the platform would manage that system and set up the payments and be able to make it just simple as possible. So as we went out and started talking with people about that product, people loved the self-pay portion of the product idea. They weren't as interested in the billing side of it because they already had that in place in one fashion or another, but everybody wanted that, that other product. And so we began to shift gears and really focus on being that payment solution provider and as we were doing that, we had been outsourcing our credit cards to a third party. And, and we thought, you know, it sort of makes sense to bring this in house and learn it and own it for ourselves. So it was, I think, in 2004, I started to work more on that credit card piece. And as we were bringing the credit card piece back together with the recurring billing platform on the ACH side, we got approached by uh, zions bank and they ultimately ended up purchasing the company they already had their own credit card processing in place and so they weren't really interested in that side of the house and i ended up staying on that credit card side to be able to work with merchants of of all types both card present and starting in 2005 card not present to help them be able to get merchant processing and to understand what was happening and That was the first time that I ran into chargebacks where merchants were having issues with their merchant accounts. And the acquirers and ISOs were calling saying, we've got to figure out how to reduce their chargebacks. They're too high. And at this point, the threshold for Visa for chargebacks was 2% and I believe 200 chargebacks per month. Today, it's 0.9, right? And, And 100 chargebacks per month for Visa. So it was even a little more Wild West. And so we started to dig in to try to figure out why people were getting chargebacks and what was happening. And we were calling cardholders to understand why they called the bank and they didn't call the merchant. And we were manually processing chargebacks with a room full of people. And I thought there's got to be a better way to, to really do this. And so in 2007, the end of 2007, I left that company and started a chargeback software platform to be able to really automate that process and help to understand why they were having those issues and ran that company for about seven years. And in 2013, decided to step away from that company. It was going to go in a little bit different direction. And I went to work for Ethica, which is a prevention provider between issuing banks and merchants. They, they send alerts so that merchants can be able to know what a pending chargeback is is going to happen and give them an opportunity to refund the transaction to avoid that chargeback from taking place. Uh, And I worked for them for about three years with acquiring banks. And that's how I ran into Mitigator. Mitigator was one of the partners that I worked with. And what I loved about that solution was that they had that same technology mindset and that they didn't want to just respond to issues or manage alerts. They wanted to understand why it was happening so that better decisions could be made. And that fit really well with I think that core vision that I saw many years ago and never quite was able to bring to fruition but uh, felt like that you know with that platform there was that great opportunity and eventually there was uh, this opportunity that was available and it worked out for me to move over and be able to to join them.
0: Great. So you've been around the chargeback
1: world for quite a while. Yeah, it's uh it's something that you you kind of fall into at times and don't ever fall out of but <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, I'm always learning new things. I don't know that you can know everything about it and especially as many changes as have occurred over the last couple of years, uh, specifically being driven from the card brands and the future that they're painting for how disputes uh, are dealt with and managed. Uh, it's It's really exciting. I think that in the last two years, we've seen more updates and changes to the technology and rules of chargebacks than we did in the previous 25 years before that and so really is a time where that side of the business is growing up uh, holistically and it's exciting to be a part of
0: yeah so talking about being excited about something the next question is related to something you're passionate about so maybe talk about you know your passion within work and maybe something that's uh, not really work related
1: I think within work. I kind of am constantly fascinated with understanding the process behind how successful businesses operate and how they run and you know specifically there's so many processes and and systems or tools that businesses will put in place for every aspect of their business but when it comes to payment processing it was always sort of a afterthought right and we just sort of get by and so as i've seen other businesses and worked with other businesses that have been merchants or partners that have been super successful i've tried to really pay attention to what it is that is helping them to be successful and how does that relate to you know risk management in general but also to other businesses uh, at scale so that educational aspect of what businesses are doing to be successful. And then just in general, trying to learn as much as possible around risk and payments. I typically am able to frequent a lot of the card brand and other acquiring bank and ISO risk conferences and hearing the challenges they are facing, not just about card, not present payments, but holistically it starts to bring everything I think into a little bit better view of you know how the system really is so interconnected and operating and so education and learning is probably my biggest uh, passion that I try to focus on inside of of work outside of work I you know I've always been really excited and and involved in different athletic and sporting things from you know coaching soccer to golf and basketball and I really enjoy that uh, side of you know figuring out how to help people reach their potential and help me to improve in the process so it might be a crossover passion but that is something that I I really enjoy doing I guess is just figuring out how to make uh, myself and and hopefully other people that I'm involved with better and happier to feel included that there's not any type of separation that they feel in being and working with me. I'm I'm hoping that they feel like they are viewed as a uh, equal peer, regardless of the role that we work with in one another. And so, anyway, that's sort of off the books. What I try to do. I'm not a good athlete. I'm I am not a good golfer, <laughs> but every now and then you hit uh, a shot that's uh, pretty pure, and uh, I think it's kind of what keeps you coming back and it seems like there's a lot of uh, symbolism in that in life that you kind of maybe struggle in a lot of areas, but every now and then you do get something right and it gives you the next boost of energy and motivation to make it uh, to keep tracking and or keep trying to, to improve and, and come back.
0: Yeah, that's a great lead into the next question. And, and you sort of mentioned it earlier, how you maybe fell into the chargebacks area, you know, early in my career in payments No one really sought out a career in payments, but I think that's changed over the last few years, all the uh, investment that's taken place, the fintech movement, so to speak. So I think people are looking from a very early age right out of college at the payment space as a future career So what would your advice be to someone maybe coming right out of college or maybe wanting to change from another industry over to payments? What would your advice be to those that are just starting out in this space?
1: It's a great question. One of the things that I often mention to employees that are just starting with us or even starting with another company, almost always they are coming from a background other than payments, right? There there are those rare instances where, they've been in payments for a while, but I always, I always like to ask, you know, how did they get started in payments? And, and I can tell you that I don't know that anyone has ever said, Oh, I like, early on in my life, I knew that I was going to be, you know, processing payments and uh, always loved that as a child and, you know, <laughs> went to school to study chargebacks and really got my degree, you know, and, and it's just not there. Right. Is that in right. most cases and in most industries, minus obviously a select few people will get their degree potentially and then they will you know find work and find what's interesting to them and be able to to fall into that passion. So what I try to let people know and my advice I guess would be is that everybody at some point started at zero. And the fact that you know you're coming into this new industry it's growing it's exciting there's a lot of changes every day will probably be a little bit different. And because of the way there is a lot of flexibility in the way that rules are interpreted or administered across acquiring banks and ISOs and even understood, I think, by the various brands, you will constantly be challenged to learn. And if you have that mindset of, there is no dumb question, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to try to understand how, The ecosystem works together, you know, even though I might only be involved with one aspect of payment that might not be related to risk or something else. If I can understand how it works totally, then as there are challenges or as there are, you know, potential products that get introduced, I think they can better kind of understand how to take advantage of those. And of course, that becomes a great asset for themselves and for their uh, employer or company and or uh, a merchant if they're working in payments too. We have a lot of merchants that actually have a payments risk division, right? Because of their size and same thing, right? Those people typically started in another industry and now are trying to figure out payments and the people that continually try to learn and grow and improve and understand the big picture, I think are the ones that are always successful and have a great, great future in, in front of them.
0: Right, I think that's some some great advice and some good wisdom there. Um but we're about to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to add either related to mitigator or the industry or yourself? Anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
1: You know, I would just say that one of the biggest challenges I think that the payments industry faces in general is a lack of collaboration. It felt like for many many years that you know, it was, you know, the brands against others or issuing banks against acquiring banks or merchants against cardholders. And I believe that, you know, over the last certainly 10 years and definitely the last, you know, two to five years, there's been a big movement to really a collaborative effort to trying to understand how we really are all in the same boat and working together. And so, as people get that opportunity to collaborate with different forums or risk groups or different you know, opportunities, I would just recommend that they take it and be a voice of collaboration and try to learn as much as they can and share that knowledge with others uh, so that, you know, we all improve. We often have heard, and I've joked that, you know, While we compete with various groups uh, and other acquiring banks and ISOs compete against each other for business, nobody wants to compete on fraud or on chargebacks. And so the idea of collaborating and trying to to help each other, I think there's a lot of marvelous opportunities out there. And if people will take advantage of that, I think they'll find that it'll improve their personal experience and professional experience and also the uh, ecosystem in general.
0: Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Well, I know your time's very valuable and I really appreciate you being here. So thanks so much
1: for being on the show today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: And to all you other listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.